All right, that was a lot of information, a ton of announcements as we transition into week two of Urgent. Here's some stats for you that maybe you didn't know. I've tried to talk about these a little bit, but some studies show that we remember 10% of what we read, which is discouraging, I'm a reader, 20% of what we hear, 30% of what we see, 50% of what we see and hear, 70% of what we write, and 90% of what we do. My coach likes to remind me, repetition is the father of learning, and I think that's true. Again, I'm going to plug this again. If you've been to any Hearing God's Voice training and you think, I've checked that box, come again, you're going to pick up new things, I will be there, not because Andy has to be there as the pastor, because I want to know, I want to continue to learn how to hear God's voice better. He, my, my coach reads over 300 books a year, which is astounding to me. But he rereads, which I think is even more interesting, several books a year, like things that he's read 30 years ago. He continues to go back and rereads them. And when I go to my coaching conferences, I take handwritten notes in a journal. It helps me stay engaged. I'm not distracted by my computer with you know, everything else that's popping up on it. And it does help me to remember more. But it does create a challenge for me personal when I try to go back and like, hey, I want to retain, I want to go back and look for this specific thing we talked about maybe three years ago because I'm up to about five or six journals. It takes me a little while to thumb through those journals. I don't have a quick, easy way like I do on the computer to put like keywords in and all that information pop up. So if you know of any great resources to tra- change my handwritten notes into documents, I'd love to talk to you afterwards because I'm looking for something to transfer all those into electronic form. But these, these kind of studies are honestly why I'm so passionate about you guys filling out your Connect card every week. That's why I want you to fill out your Connect card, because I believe if you write down your next step, you're more likely to do it. As a matter of fact, studies prove that you will. By writing it down, you're statistically 40% more likely to do what you wrote down. So if you haven't done so already, fill out your Connect card. I don't see anybody reaching for it. There's no way every one of you filled it out when he was talking about it. All kidding aside, I do encourage you to fill that out, what you're comfortable with, and drop it in the offering when it goes by later. I think you'll thank me later. Again, simply by writing it down, you're more likely to do it, which is all the reason why we provide next steps, because we believe our Sunday can impact our Monday. Well, if I haven't introduced myself, my name is Andy. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for joining us. If you're online, thanks for joining us as well. If you need a Disciples Bible that John referenced, they're absolutely free in the back. Grab one. You can go back there now. You're not going to distract me at all. If you're watching online, bacbible.com, fill out that information. We are in our second week of our series, Urgent, and we have a memory verse card that goes with that. If you weren't here last week, the new memory verses are in the back there with the reading plan on the back, today starts that reading plan for this week. And so we're looking at the second letter that Peter wrote to the same community of people. And he's writing with an urgency. He's urging people, hey, stay true to your calling. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget what Jesus did. And because of all that, you have to continue to do what God has called you to do. So after a quick introduction, Peter gets right to the point in verse 3 of chapter 1, which is where we're going to pick up the story. It says this. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power, God's divine power, not ours. Divine, God's divine power is unconditional power to do what he wills in accordance with his nature. 
And because of that power, he has given us everything required for life, but only through the knowledge and acceptance of Lord Jesus Christ into our own lives. It's that same divine power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same divine power that gives Christ's followers everything we need, it says, to live a godly life. The power that gives us everything we need doesn't come from within us, but from God. We don't just manifest it in our own strength. We don't have the resources to live as God calls us or requires us. God gives us generously everything we need for godly living. Everything we need to live a life for him. Godly means a moral uprightness in God-honoring life. Not perfect. Let's not get caught up in perfection. That's not what this is about. It also said his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We have been called. As followers of Jesus, we have a calling on our lives. It's not Andy's calling only as a pastor. We're all called to be uh, saviors of the world through the power of Jesus Christ, right? We're, we are his soldiers. We're his kids. We live in his kingdom, and the kingdom is now but not yet fully experienced in all of its fullness. We are called through him, through the saving grace of Jesus, known as salvation, to live for God. And through all of that, he's given us a promise. Listen to verse 4. He says, by, by these, he has given us a very great and precious promise so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. And did you catch that? He's given us everything we need to live a life for God. He's given us the power, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit in each and every follower of Jesus. This Holy Spirit was given to us so that, it said, so that we may share in the divine nature of God. Just like a baby shares in the nature of its parents, so we too share in the nature of our Heavenly Father. So that we can continue to do the work of Jesus. And there's really a lot we could talk about. We could land here and probably spend two or three weeks. But one thing I want to point out is, and we often forget this, is because Jesus chose to be with the Father. Like, he left this earth. And because of that, he chose to be with the Father, and he sent his Holy Spirit Had he not, he'd still be walking around, and we wouldn't have access to the Holy Spirit that we do. He willingly gave up his life, and so he sent the Holy Spirit, and it's now available to each and every one of us, which is a tremendous promise. Then there's the promise that we can escape the corruption of this world. Like, sign me up for that one, right? When we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, we're walking in the opposite direction of our sinful, natural nature. In other words, we're walking toward God and his kingdom and away from the world and its kingdom. The Apostle Paul stated this truth in Galatians chapter 5 when he said, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another. Peter is working really hard to remind everyone who Jesus is everyone about what Jesus did and reminding them what he wants to continue to do and the calling that they have on their own lives. And Jesus, by his divine power, is equipping them and he's still equipping us. Jesus, as promised, has given us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Jesus, because of his Spirit, empowers us to walk in his kingdom. 
We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We're co-heirs to the kingdom of God to escape the corruption of this world. And it's for this reason, and it's for a reason. I know it's for a reason because the next three words say it's for a reason. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. I love that word, supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. We're going to break those down. But he said, for this very reason, he's saying, because everything I've said up to this point is true, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement, to add to your faith. Make every effort. Effort. This is another reminder of the both and of our faith. God can do what only God can do, right? There are things we can't do beyond our own strength. Only God can do this. But there are things we can do to pursue Jesus, right? There are things that we can do, take into our own account, take into our own hands and do with the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a part to play. He's given us a list of things to pursue that we can do. Again, not just in our own strength, but with the strength and knowledge of Jesus Christ, with God. These things will help build our faith. They'll help us grow in our faith, which I think is why we're all here, right? It's going to help us add to our faith. Remember, Hebrews 11, we talked about this several weeks ago. It is impossible to please God without faith. We have to have faith in Jesus. We add these things to our life with God's help, and it grows our faith with God. We supplement. We add to our faith goodness, it says. Do good deeds. Some of these we can do on our own strength. A lot of them we need God's strength. Goodness with knowledge. The more we learn about God, the more we learn about what God did and what he wants to do, the more we learn how to hear his voice, the more we know how to read his word, the more we know how to be quiet and pray, we add these things, right? Knowledge with self-control. To know is vitally important, but knowing isn't enough. We said this a lot, but there seems to be a gap in a lot of people's life with what we know and what we do. And some of that has to do with self-control. Many of our lives, we we don't have great self-control, so we continue to do what the flesh desires. The the Greek meaning for self-control is sometimes translated as temperance. And the real sense of the term, it means more than self-being in control. A more descriptive descriptive and accurate term would be God-controlled. When we're no longer self-controlled, we're more God-controlled. And only when we're under the control, the power, the influence of the Holy Spirit, can we not be self-controlled. Self-controlled with endurance was next on the list. This word means enduring, continuance, or patience. It can also mean to bear a bear trials, to have fortitude, to abide, or to endure. We might say perseverance is kind of hanging in there, right? Then we take our endurance and we add it to godliness, which means godly, pious, or devout. And this cannot be fabricated. We can't make this up. We can't live this in our own strength. We cannot merely pretend to be godly. The true If we're truly godly, the quality of godliness comes from God himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a God-given quality. We receive it as we continue to die to ourselves and to live for God. We receive it as we allow the Spirit to have access 
to all parts of our lives. The fruit of the Spirit are attributes of the character of God. The more we lean in, the more we let God lead, the more we will act like him, the more characteristics of him that will be revealed in our lives and through our lives. And then Peter said, godliness with brotherly affection. This is brotherly kindness. It's, it's affection. It's, it's seen. The Greek word Peter uses is instructing us regarding the importance of having sincere love. Paul teaches us that to be kind, affectionate to one another, and brotherly love back in Romans chapter 12. And then lastly, he lists love. God is love. Agape love. That's complete love, unconditional love that only God can do. It's the very quality of who God is and what God does. We are told in the Gospel of John, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. These steps have a progression of a growing faith. The more we do these, the more we grow in our faith, again, with the help of the Holy Spirit. We begin with faith in Jesus and then add these virtues along the way, right? Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And if we commit to add these things with Jesus, again, not in our own strength, apart from him, then there's another reminder Peter gives us, another promise. He says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, continue to grow in them, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. If we increase in these qualities, these virtues, then we will be kept from being useless or unfruitful. If, then. Again, there's a part to play. I don't think any of us want to be useless or unfruitful in our lives, right? I mean, what's the point if we're not used, if we're not producing fruit in our lives? And the best defense to a useless life is an active offense, continuing to pursue Jesus. If we're actively following Jesus as Lord, if we're diligent in adding to our faith, then we have this promise that we will not be useless or unfruitful. But if we don't actively pursue Jesus, if we aren't diligent to adding these things to our faith, if we do not make every effort, then we are going to reap a different kind of harvest. The person who lacks these things, who, aren't, who isn't doing these things, are going to face a different dilemma in their life. They're going to be blind and short-sighted, it said. This kind of blindness prevents them from seeing ahead. Such blindness is an expression of a deceitful life. They, they have this sin. They're, they're blind to the truth. They're stumbling in their life. If it binds us and prevents us from seeing things as they truly are in who Jesus is. They, sin leads us astray. It says he has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. I mean, that's pretty tragic. How tragic is it that we experience the cleansing nature of forgiveness of sins and then forget it? But that's what this blindness does. This is what this stumbling does. Peter is reminding us as followers of Christ whose we are and what we're called to be and do. And then he uses a word we know very well, therefore. Brothers and sisters, therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort. There's that 
phrase again, to conform, to confirm your calling and election. Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Therefore, since we have God's divine power, therefore, since we're pursuing Jesus with the Holy Spirit, therefore, since we're making every effort to add to our faith, therefore, since we will not live a fruitless or ineffective life, therefore, remember, make every effort, make every effort to confirm to your calling and election. Peter is deeply concerned for the believers as they face onslaught of persecution and false teaching. He wants them to be deeply anchored into the truth of who God is and their personal relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he knows if they're grounded in these things, the basics of their faith, and if they remain active in those things, he knows they will never fear of being led astray. The phrase, we'll never stumble, is another promise that meets a basic concern of Peter's expression about false teachers, right? We do not stumble in life when we give attention to where we're stepping. People that aren't paying attention to where they're going are the ones that typically trip and fall, right? We stumble because we become preoccupied with other things in our life. We're not paying attention to where we're going and our relationship with Jesus. This is so true, not just in real life and where we walk, but in our spiritual walk with Jesus. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to be grounded in the truth. We have to be focused on the right things. And when we follow him and we practice these things diligently, we need not fear of stumbling. And as followers of Jesus, we're secure for the present and for eternity in his kingdom. And then there's another therefore. Therefore, since we are continuing our effort and keeping our eyes on Jesus, he says, therefore, I will always remind you about these things. I'll always remind you about these things. Even though you know them and are established in the truth, you know how. I think it's right, he says, as long as I am in this bodily tent, his own body, to wake you up with a reminder. And since I know that I will soon lay aside my tent, he's going to die, as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me, and I will also make every effort, there's that phrase again, so that you are able to recall these things at your time after my departure. I will remind you always of these things. Now Peter comes to the accountability factor. He speaks as a pastor, with a pastor's heart, with a father's heart for his children. He loves his spiritual children. He wants what's best for them. He desires deeply that they finish the race and receive the prize of eternal life. And so he doesn't apologize for reminding them, to be committed to reminding them always of these things. Reminding them, it said, even though he acknowledges they already know these things, right? I'm going to remind you. I know you know them, but let me tell you again. I need to continue to remind her. In fact, he believes it's absolutely right for him to keep reminding them of these things as long as he lives. He sounds like a father, right? Or a mother who's deeply concerned for their children and without apology keeps reminding his child, their child, over and over of important things for their own well-being, right? If you have kids, I know you've probably done this. How many times have you reminded your kids about something? You know, don't forget your backpack, right? How many times? Don't forget your lunch, right? You know who's picking you up today. 
You, you know, after practice where you're going. Like, we remind these things over and over and over and over. Maybe you do this with your spouse. Remember, you got to pick up the kid today. Like, you do these things over and maybe you are like, I can't remember anything. So I write everything down. You set reminders on your phone. We do this in life to remember things, even though we already know them. We're reminded. We don't do this to be right. We do this because we care. We don't want our kids to go hungry at lunch. We don't want our kids to get to school and like, I forgot my backpack. We don't want our kids to after school go, who is picking me up? We don't want mom or dad to go, I was supposed to. We do this because we care. We love them. It's with this kind of love and concern that Peter's reminding them and us. He says in verse 15, I will also make every effort so that you're able to recall these things at any time after my departure. Peter's love and concern for these spiritual children goes beyond his own earthly life. He acknowledges his coming death. He states that he he will do whatever he has to to always be able to remind them over and over. This is tremendous love that Peter's demonstrating for the people that he's under, that uh, he cares for. His concern for these spiritual children never end. Now, he doesn't reveal how he's going to remind them well after he's gone. Perhaps one of these ways is this letter we're now reading. His words of concern and calling to accountability have now come down to us. And through Peter, we hear our Lord calling us to be faithful, accountable, and complete the race that we've begun. You can hear the urgency in his voice as his time's coming to an end. And he has the same urgency for for all of us. The time is now. The time is now. We don't need to wait. We don't need to waste any more time. There The more we wait, the more ground the enemy takes. Instead, he said, over and over, make every effort. Make every effort in your own strength, with God's help, to pursue God and the things of God. So that we don't stumble. So that our lives produce fruit. So that our lives are impactful. So that our lives count. So that our lives matter. I talked a few weeks ago when the last conference I went to is called the Kingdom Impact Conference. And i got to be honest, when I went into this, it was a three-day conference just all on kingdom impact, God's kingdom impact. And so in my small little mind, I thought, oh, this is going to be like how big your church is, how far your reach is. And it reminded me quickly. It was like, that's not what kingdom impact is. Kingdom impact can only be defined by God. I was like, well, that's interesting. It reminded me of a, a pastor in a conference like five years ago where they showed a little black and white photo. I should have done some research and looked for it, but I had like seven people. He was like, this was the church that this guy pastored. And then he went through and talked about, well, this person become a missionary. And this person became a pastor over here. And then this, and he walked through the seven people. And I thought, wow, how little my mind is sometimes. Right? Like, what if blue ash produces... 10 uh, missionaries, or what if Blue Ash leads somebody to Christ that changes a family tree in faith? Like, that's kingdom impact. It has nothing to do with the numbers that we grade. It has everything to do with what God does in us and how he grows our faith and how we impact those around us. And John said it beautifully. This is not really church. This is a place we come to be loved and be equipped so that when we go outside of these walls, we can be kingdom impactors. 
this is why we do these trainings. And it's your loss. It costs you nothing but two hours. It's your loss if you don't stay, honestly. You'll be the one that doesn't become more equipped to hear the heart of God and how to share that better. And we do the walk through the Bible in, in January. We have, if you don't come, that is going to be your loss. When you don't get in the small group, you don't volunteer. It's your loss, really, because we're trying to do everything we can to create safe environments here. That's what that retreat was last week. And what a safe environment for those kids to experience Jesus in a real way so that they can make every effort beyond that weekend to show people how much Jesus means to them. Grab your Connect cards. And again, if you haven't filled it out, make every effort to fill that out right now. (laughs) Don't let the pen that ran out of ink stop you. Grab the one next to you. I'm going to walk you through some next steps. You may have one that God's already put on your heart. I just encourage you to write that on your Connect card. Drop it in the offering when it goes by. We'll follow up when it's appropriate. The first one's this. Accept Jesus for the first time. If you've not made that decision to say yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior, today could change everything for you. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. But it does mean it's going to be great. It's going to be different. You're going to have a God that loves you more than you could ever comprehend. He's going to fill in the gaps of your life that you've been doing everything you can to fill in your own. And if you could, you already would have filled them in. He'll start to change you from the inside out. He'll start to equip you to do the work of his kingdom. Because that's what he does. He is a gap filler. If you've made that decision, drop that in the offering. We want to follow up with you. Make sure you grab a Bible, any free resource back there. The second Next step is this. Make every effort to pursue Jesus and the things of Jesus so that we fulfill our calling as Christ followers. Make every effort. So that walk through your mornings, walk through your afternoons, walk through your evenings. What effort are we as individuals? I'm doing the same exercise. This is my next step. Where am I not making every effort? Where could I show a little more effort? As a fifth grade basketball boys coach, effort is a big deal, right? I, nobody would ever outwork me. I hate to lose, so you won't outwork me. I want that mentality as I pursue Jesus. Like, you won't outwork me. I'm going to make every effort to be the best Christ follower I can be. That's what this is all about. The third is receive prayer. Lots of ways you can do that. You can use the prayer uh, wall in the back, write the tag if you want everybody to see it and pray for it, make sure everybody can. And if you just want the prayer teams or the staff, make sure that you're writing your prayer request is facing towards the wall. You can write your prayer request on this Connect card. You can email us at prayer at I truly believe the best way to receive prayer is in person. We'll have prayer teams up here to my right and the back left of your corner. And this can be an opportunity for you to hear from God in a very real way. Even scripture's clear. This only happens through prayer, some of these things that God does. Maybe you've never been prayed for. It's not that scary. It's literally a conversation. There's nothing, you know, quote, special about what we do. The special part is who we're praying to, not us. So maybe you're like, I want to learn how to make every effort. 
I, I, I want to learn how to, to continue to pursue Jesus in these very real ways. I want to hear God's voice. I want to know what he, how he sees me or what he feels about me. Maybe you have a, a healing that needs, you have something that needs to be healed. We believe God heals today. Nathaniel talked about healings that happened over the weekend. That wasn't just for then. That can happen right now. And if you have a, a praise request, God has answered a prayer. We love to hear where God is moving. Whatever prayer request you have. As our friends at Activation Ministry like to say, cross the line of fear. Whatever fear you have, just cross that line. Take the step towards the prayer teams and just see what God would do. And the last is our memory verse, which is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. That's a great one to write on your heart. We're going to receive our offering. If you want to drop your Connect cards in the offering and take out your communion elements. I know I say this, uh, seems like I say this a lot. Maybe you don't think, maybe this will be the first time you've ever heard it. I don't know. Maybe you're like my kids. <laughs> But this message lends itself to like Jesus willingly did the, he willingly walked to the cross. He willingly left so that he could send his spirit to us. They didn't take his life. They didn't kill him. He gave his life for all of us, for our sins, so that he could empower us through the power of the Holy Spirit, so that he could walk in each and every one of us, not in some temple that we would have to go to. We are now the temple, and God is now in us when we say yes to Jesus. So this is a reminder that Jesus gave his life, his body was broken, and his blood was shed willingly for you and for me. Let me pray. God, thanks for these encouraging words and these things that we can do, that we can pursue through the, through the help of you, but God, help us make every effort. God, remind us of the things that we can do, of the things you ask us to do. God, as one theologian once said, God, help us to do everything we can do and help us to pray everything you can do. Act as though it all depends on me, but pray as though it all depends on you. That's how I want my life to look. That's the effort I want to have. Do everything I can do and then pray for everything you can do to come. We give you freedom to move the remainder of this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You're free to sit or stand and receive prayer.